Amen. Let's all just stand and put our hands together and love the Lord for a moment. Hallelujah, Jesus. Hallelujah, Jesus. Hallelujah, Jesus. The Bible said, shout with the voice of triumph. Let's lift our voices and shout unto God right now. Hallelujah, Jesus. Hallelujah, Jesus. Hallelujah, Jesus. God, we've come into this place to magnify you, Lord. Amen. It's good to be in the house of the Lord tonight, this morning, excuse me. And I give honor to Pastor Herring, Sister Herring. We love this couple with all of our heart. Amen. You are blessed to have, in my opinion, one of the best pastors in the entire world right here in Palmer, Alaska. I hope you realize he could pastor anywhere he wants, but he chose here because God placed him here. Amen. And he loves you and we love him. Uh, it's an honor to see Bishop Churchill, Sister Churchill. Uh, we love these folks. Amen. Heroes of faith here in this state, the kingdom, preaching, serving faithfully uh, for several decades. Amen. We honor them. We honor all the ministers, Brother and Sister Plale, the Holes, I'm going to stop there because there's too many names to mention and I'll get in trouble, but we honor all of you. Thank you for being faithful to the house of God this morning. Uh, thank you for honoring your pastor. It's well-deserved, 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 and uh, God bless you, amen. How many are ready for the Word of God? Is it all right if we don't have five minutes of preliminaries and we just get right into the Word of God? Is that okay with you? We're honored to be here. and uh, I, I mentioned on Wednesday, we pray for you every day. We love you. And uh, we always look forward to being here. Amen. Amen. I will make one comment, and this isn't uh, anything other than an observation. This is the eighth time that I've been in a service in this building. And I've been in many, many services in that building. I just remember in that building seeing uh, some young men take off running around the sanctuary, worshiping God. And uh, again, it's just an observation. I haven't seen that yet in the eight times that I've been in this building. This building's no different than that building. If you worship God in that building, you better worship God in this building. If Brother Richard takes off running and praising God, you better follow right after him. Well, I've already got you mad, and I haven't even started. That's all right. Let's go to Daniel chapter 3 this morning. Daniel chapter 3, verse number 13. Somebody say, speak, Lord. Speak, Lord. 13 says, Then Nebuchadnezzar in his rage and fury commanded to bring Shadrach, Meshach, and Abednego. One preacher got up and said, it's my shack, your shack, and a billy goat. I'm just checking to see if you're still awake. They brought these men before the king, and Nebuchadnezzar spake and said unto them, Is it true, O Shadrach, Meshach, and Abednego, do not ye serve my gods, nor worship the golden image which I have set up? Now if ye be ready that at that time... 
when you hear the sound of the cornet, the flute, the harp, the sackbut, the psaltery, and the dulcimer, and all kinds of music, that you should fall down and worship the king, the image which I have made well. But if you worship not, you'll be cast the same hour into the midst of the burning, fiery furnace. And who is that God that shall deliver you out of my hands? Somebody say his name is Jesus. Shadrach, Meshach, and Abednego answered and said, O king, we are not careful to answer thee in this matter. Basically saying, we might as well just speak our minds at this point. We've kind of been caught red-handed. We're just going to go and speak our minds. If it be so, our God, whom ye serve, is able to deliver us from the burning, fiery furnace. He will deliver us out of the hand, thine hand, O king. But if not, be it known unto thee, O king, that we will not serve thy gods, nor worship the golden image which thou hast set up. Then was Nebuchadnezzar full of fury, and his, the form of his visions was changed against Shadrach, Meshach, and Abednego. Therefore he spake and commanded that they should heat the furnace one seven times more than it used to be. And he commanded the most mighty men that they were in his army to bind Shadrach, Meshach, and Abednego and to cast them into the burning, fiery furnace. Then these men were bound in their coats, their hose and their hats, and their other garments cast into the midst of the burning, fiery furnace. Therefore, because the king's commandment was urgent, the furnace was exceedingly hot. The flames of the fire slew those men that took up Shadrach, Meshach, and Abednego. And these three men, Shadrach, Meshach, and Abednego, fell down into the midst of the burning, fiery furnace. Then Nebuchadnezzar was astounded, astonished, rose up in haste, and spake, and said unto his counselors, Did not we cast three into the fiery furnace? They said, True, king. He answered and said, Lo, then why do I see four standing in the fiery furnace right now? And they're not even hurt. The form of the fourth is like the Son of God. Then Nebuchadnezzar came near to the mouth of the burning fiery furnace and spake and said, Hey guys, come on out. I want to talk to you about what's going on here. Because it doesn't make any sense in my mind. And they came forth out of the midst of the fire. The princes, the governors, the captains, the king counselors. They all began gathering around. Saw these men upon whose bodies had been the, the fire. But it did not hurt them. Didn't even lose a hair of their head. And somebody said, thank you, Jesus. Neither were their coats changed. Nor the smell of fire had passed on them. 25 he said for some reason I see four men loose in the fire and nobody's been hurt I want to preach to you this morning for a few moments about the fourth man the fourth man would you pray with me Heavenly Father would you speak Lord to your people speak to your people this morning God and we will hear, Lord, what you want to say. Lord, speak, Lord. Speak, Lord. Speak, Lord. One more time, would you put your hands together as you're seated and worship the Lord. Thank you, Jesus. Thank you, Jesus. Thank you, Jesus. In the National Football League, 
they allow a maximum of 11 players on the field for each team. The game of football is played in such a way where every time that there are two opposing teams on the field and the game is live, they're only allowed 11 players on each side. That's the maximum. And any more than 11 will produce something called a penalty of too many men on the field. Both teams are sized equally to uh, give both teams a fighting chance. And I don't think it would be fair if they allowed one team to have 15 and one team to have 10. Unless, of course, the team with 10 were the Packers, then they might... Uh, and that might be a little bit more fair if they were playing the Cowboys. <laughs> they're, they're playing the Cowboys, then 15 to 10 is fair. Somebody's getting all riled up. Fighting words right there. I guess my sermon was pretty bad if you already left. All right. I love it. I think a man of God should have coffee that looks as good as it tastes. But the size 11 to 11 to give each team a fighting chance. There's something in football called the 12th man, though. And the 12th man refers to a team's fans. 12th man implies that the fans have a helpful role in the game. Even though regulations say that each team can only have 11 players on the field, the presence of a lot of fans in the stadium can be helpful in home field advantage. That's why teams like to play at home more than they do away. Because they know that their fans are going to be in the stadium cheering them on, not the other team's fans. And so these fans will often get loud in an attempt to uh, distract or discourage the other team when they're on the field. And try to, try to vocalize their support for their team in a way that discourages the other team. And it's called the 12th man. The current world record for crowd noise in an athletic event was set in September 29th, 2014 at Arrowhead Stadium in Kansas City, Missouri when the Chiefs were playing the New England Patriots. And during a New England Patriots timeout, noise levels reached a decibel level of 142.2. To put that in perspective, if there were jet engines firing in this room right now for the play, they would be firing at about 140 decibels, meaning that the Kansas City Chiefs fans were cheering louder than jet engines nearby would drown it out. At 120 decibels, it gets uncomfortable for your ears. At 140 decibels, it gets painful and starts to cause hearing damage. And in the Kansas City game, the roar was so loud that the visiting team couldn't hear each other 
even shouting right next to each other and talking into their microphone and the headset wasn't loud enough. And the quarterback, who was Tom Brady at that time, had one of his worst games in history, completing only 50% of his passes and throwing more interceptions than he did touchdowns in that game. And Kansas City went in an underdog, but won 41-14 to because the 12th man had stepped up and changed the environment of the game. When the game is on the line and there's 11 men on the field and they're doing all that they can in this contest, there's a 12th man who can change the odds of the game. It may still look like 11 to 11 on the field, but get the 12th man involved and it can change the outcome of the contest. It will disrupt the opponent's plan and perhaps the 12th man is the difference in a game. In Daniel chapter 3, King Nebuchadnezzar makes a huge golden statue 90 feet high and 9 feet wide. Somebody said that's a lot of gold. And then he makes a command to his people that when they hear the music, the loud music, you are to worship and bow down to this golden image that he had built. And all was going well until he realized that there were three Hebrew men that were embarrassing him and refused to bow down to the golden image. In verse 12, he gets an update that Shadrach, Meshach, and Abednego, these, king, these men, O king, have not regarded thee. They serve not thy gods, nor worship the golden image that thou hast set up. Then Nebuchadnezzar in his rage and fury commanded that they be brought to him. And he gives them an opportunity. He says, in case you haven't heard, I gave a command and you're supposed to bow down and worship in front of the golden image when the music plays. And in verse 17, Shadrach, Meshach, and Abednego say, If it be so, our God, whom we serve, is able to deliver us from that fiery furnace, and he will deliver us out of thine hand, O king. But if not, somebody say, but if not. I'm going to pause right here and say, you need a but if not clause in your relationship with God. You need a but if not. I know God will come through. But if not, I'm still going to serve him. No matter what comes my way. You need to get it set in your mind. I've seen too many people give up right before God showed up in their situation. You need to get it set in your mind that no matter what it looks like, no matter what the odds look like, but if not, I will still serve God. I will still live for the Lord. Right when God is about to show up, give up somebody say but if not they said be it known oh king we're not going to serve your gods we're not going to bow down to your golden image the king was so enraged by the response that he says turn it up seven times hotter and throw him in there and it's so hot that when the men that are charged with throwing them in the fire get near it, they die because of the heat from the flames. 
And Nebuchadnezzar sits back and watches, expecting that these men are going to be consumed by the fire. And all of a sudden he looks and he's confused because there's not just three in the fire. There's not three that got consumed by the fire. But there were four men in the fire. And the fourth one looks a lot like God. The king couldn't understand it, but what happened? Where did this fourth man come from? And uh, why are they not consumed by the fire? This has never happened. I don't have anything to explain this in the natural. And what the king did not realize is that uh, when the soldiers threw Shadrach, Meshach, and Abednego into the fiery furnace, a fourth man stepped onto the field and clothed them with divine protection. A fourth man came and moved heaven and earth uh, to be there on their behalf. Uh, by the time the door was shut on the furnace, uh, they were already protected uh, by the power of God. The fourth man stepped in and changed the environment. Uh, when the contest looked like it was three men uh, against a burning fiery furnace, uh, God showed up and said, no, 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 wait a minute. Uh, I am on their side. Uh, and this contest belongs to me. This battle belongs to me, says the Lord. When it looked like the fire would defeat them, when it looked like the odds were not in their favor, it looked like it was all over for these three children of God. They were literally facing hell on earth. But suddenly, somebody say, suddenly, suddenly the fourth man showed up. And when he showed up, the contest was all over before it ever started. The best thing that the king and his men could do to describe it was that fourth man looks maybe like it's God. Maybe it's the Son of God. I don't know. But he's in the fire and I have nothing to describe. They've never seen God. But they're looking going, it must be God. There's no other description that makes sense but God Almighty. Why are they walking where they're supposed to be defeated? Why are they not consumed in the fire? Why are they unharmed? Why are they walking where the enemy said it was all over for you? Why are they still walking where the enemy said you'll never make it? They said we think... This victory has something to do with the fourth one in the fire. Because those other three are just flesh like you and I. But that fourth one, we didn't even put him there. And now he's there. And something is different because of the fourth man. I've come to preach this morning that whether this world recognizes him or not... Whether this nation honors him or not, 
whether the courts recognize him or not, whether the church continues to preach about him or not, he is still God Almighty. He is still God and he is in control. The songwriter said, I know he's God and God don't ever change. I know he's God and Jesus is his name. He's God on the platform. He's God back at the door. He's God in the amen corner. He's God all over this floor. He's God all over creation. He's God all over me. He was God in the river Jordan. He's God when Adam fell. He's God way up in heaven. And he's the God that saves from hell. In recent decades, they've attempted to ban God from every area of our nation. In our society. They've taken prayer out of schools. They've endorsed perversion and ridiculed morality. They've made clear that God and morality are not welcome in our society. But guess what? I've got a news flash. He's still God Almighty. He doesn't need anyone's approval to be God. He doesn't need my opinion to be God. He was God before anything that you see ever existed. And he'll be God long after this world is God. Hear, O Israel, the Lord our God is one. Nebuchadnezzar didn't demand an idol worship. But it did not change the fact that God was still God. Regardless of anyone's opinion, he's still God. I wonder this morning if we really realize, you and I, what happened when we were filled with the Holy Ghost. I wonder if we really realize what happened within us when we were baptized in his spirit. We got a fourth man on our team. And when you are walking through the fire, you are not alone there's somebody in the fire with you and when the enemy looks and he sees that you're not consumed by the fire he can't do anything else but look and say that man must be walking with the lord that woman must be walking with the lord there's somebody in the fire with them and it looks like the son of god You're not alone. God is still God. The fire cannot harm you. God is still God. Hell cannot destroy you. God is still God. Satan cannot defeat you. God is still God. Somebody stand still, would you, and see the salvation of our God. David declared, where shall I go? From his spirit. Put it up on the screen if you would. Where shall I go? From his spirit. Psalm 139 and 7. Whither shall I flee? From his presence. He said everywhere that I go. 
God is right there with me. David also said, yea, though I walk through the valley of the shadow of death, I will fear no evil. For thou art with me. Somebody say, God is with me. Thy rod and thy staff, they comfort me. Thou anointest my head. Keep going. Thou preparest a table before me in the presence of my enemies. Thou anointest my head with oil. And my cup runneth over. Surely, goodness and mercy shall, what? Shall follow me. David said, there's a fourth man following me. He's following me. Everywhere that I go, he's following me. I can't even get away from him, he said. One time he said, if I ascend into heaven, he's there. And if I make my bed in hell, he's there too. I can't get away from him. How many know that God was with you long before you made the decision to get saved? Somebody in here has a past that they're not proud of, and God was with you long before you ever got saved. You were doing drugs, and he was with you, protected you, keeping you because he knew that he was going to meet you at this altar one day. We were still messing up. And he said, I love that person so much that I'm going to put my arms around them and I'm going to keep them safe until they get baptized in the name of Jesus and full of the Holy Ghost. God was keeping you long before. I said, you were on his mind long before he was on your mind said, you were on his mind long before he was on your mind. You can't convince me that God doesn't love me. You cannot convince me that God does not love you. He knows every sparrow that falls from the sky today. He knows the number of hairs on my receding hairline. And it's getting a lot easier to count start to see pictures, and it's a lot thinner than it used to be. And I'm thinking, man, what's it going to be like in 20 years? Oh, maybe in 20 years we'll be out of here, and I won't have to worry about what it looks like. I'm with you, Brother Churchill. If it's okay with you, God, could we go ahead and get out of here? This world is a messed up place. And the only reason I'm here is because God has not taken me home yet. Through it all, he's been with you. Through every heartache and every pain, he's been with you. God has not forsaken you. I'm just going to put this out there for what it's worth. You couldn't pay me a million dollars to leave the church. You couldn't pay me $10 million to leave the church. Ah, I've got a fourth man that walks with me when I'm in the church. I said, you couldn't pay me to backslide. Do you realize this morning how far he has brought me? I was a nobody and he saved me. 
I was a wretched sinner and he died for me. I was an outcast and he loved me. I was messed up, but he picked me up. He's never quit on me, and I'm not about to quit on him. Somebody get that down in your spirit. He's never quit on me, and I'm not about to quit on him. He's never failed me yet. Oh, hallelujah. Come to remind some precious saint this morning. Somebody in here is going through a trial. Somebody in here is facing a hardship this week. I can feel it in the spirit. I just come to remind you, you've got a fourth man in the fire. As long as you're in the church, you've got somebody on your side that has all power in heaven and earth. Oh, Paul declared in Romans 8, for I am persuaded that neither death nor life nor angels nor principalities nor powers nor things present nor things to come oh shall ever be able to separate us from the love of God which is in Christ Jesus our Lord devil if you were going to destroy me you should have done it a long time ago because he's been too good to me I cannot tell it all he took my sins away and he brought me out of the miry clay and you can't convince me to give up on God Nebuchadnezzar didn't realize recognize the fourth man but it didn't matter because he's still God he doesn't need government's approval to be God he was God before there ever was a government. He doesn't need the world's approval. He created the world. And he's God. There were only three left that would stand for the Lord. Sounds kind of like America today, doesn't it? Oh, sounds a lot like our nation today. There were only three left that were standing for the Lord. On that day. And in this end time, we've got a decision to make, brothers and sisters. Are we going to stand for the Lord or are we going to bow and compromise? Are we going to stand for the Lord or are we going to bow and compromise? Somebody say it with me. As for me and my house, we're going to serve the Lord. As for me and my house, we're going to serve the Lord. If you meant that, put your hands together and love him for a moment. Somebody say, he's still God. He's still God. No matter what the enemy throws at me, Brother Richard, he's still God. Brother Larry, no matter what the doctor gives me as bad news, he's still God. Brother Paul, no matter what the bank account says, he's still God. 
Oh, when things aren't going right at home, he's still God. When I'm discouraged and down, he's still God. When you face unspeakable tragedies, he's still God. I said, he's still God. Let me introduce you to the fourth man in the fire this morning. I don't know about you, Brother Robbie, but I can't do this on my own. I cannot live this life on my own. There's too much junk in this world. There's too much pain. This life is far too hard. It's just too much. I can't do this on my own. I've tried it. I cannot do this on my own. But I know that when I'm walking with him, he's walking with me. And there's a fourth man in the fire. Yeah, I may be going through the fire, but he's right there with me. He's right there with me. He's right there with me. Is there anybody in the house bold enough to lift your hand and testify? I tried it on my own. And my goodness, was that a mistake. I tried it on my own, and my goodness, that was a mistake. Would anybody lift your hand and say, finding Jesus and finding the church was the best thing that ever happened to me? Oh, would you lift your other hand and just say, thank you, Jesus, for the church. Thank you, God, that I'm not in this alone. Thank you, God, that I'm not in this world alone. I've been in this for more than three and a half decades. Been to more than 5,500 church services. I don't know how many thousands of hours of prayer meetings and Bible studies. And I can tell you that this is still the best thing that ever happened to me. Stay in church, brother and sister. Because the enemy is going to try to isolate you. I said he's going to try to isolate you. He wants to intimidate you. Stay in the church. He wants to confuse you. Stay in the church. He wants to trip you up. Stay in the church. Sister Playa, would you put 1 Peter 5, 8 up, please? Be sober. And vigilant. You realize who the enemy is, right? It's not your brother and your sister. It's the devil. Because your adversary, the devil, as a what? A roaring lion walketh about seeking whom he may. A lion's roar is used to intimidate prey, to paralyze them in fear, to confuse them in the dark. I said to confuse them in the dark. A lion's roar is so powerful, it comes in at 114 decibels. Brother David, 114 decibels. He roars from anywhere from 30 to 60 seconds at a time. Oh can be heard five miles away. 
And they say that certain prey could absolutely be paralyzed in fear when they hear the lion's roar. You realize that's what the enemy's trying to do to you, right? Notice he's not actually physically harming you. He's just saying, roar. And I thought, wow, that's powerful. 114 decibels. Five miles away. And Brother Michael, I remembered Acts chapter 2 when it said the Holy Ghost was poured out on the day of Pentecost and it came in like a rushing mighty wind. And I got to thinking, and I remembered two years ago, when a hurricane came through Florida. And I remember it came through in the middle of the night, and it was so loud. It, it sounded like a continual freight train, just so loud, shaking the house. It was loud. So I started studying wind noise, Brother Churchill. And I found out that there have been several people that have taken decibel readings during hurricanes. And so I got to studying, and I thought, what, what's the decibel reading during a hurricane? And I found out they're all over the place between 120 decibels and 160 decibels. And then it hit me. The lion's roaring at 114 decibels. But when the rushing mighty wind comes in... I said, when the fourth man shows up, it's 120 to 160. That means that when the fourth man shows up, I can't even hear the roar of the lion. Somebody needs to get a renewal, a baptism of the Holy Ghost and fire. You won't be able to hear the lion roar when the rushing mighty wind sweeps in the house. Let's all stand. And then it hit me again. Wind doesn't even have its own sound. Wind. The noise that you hear in wind is the sound of resistance of whatever that moving air is hitting. And the louder that it gets, it means it's hitting more resistance. And I realized the rushing mighty wind, 160 decibels, it's because he's absolutely shredding the enemy on our behalf. He is absolutely destroying devils on your behalf. He is absolutely destroying situations on your behalf. Would somebody lift your hands and say, Holy Spirit, blow through this place. There isn't anything that a touch of the Spirit cannot do this morning. 
said, there is nothing. Nothing. He called Moshe Hallelujah. Hallelujah. Every head bowed right now, every eye closed. God dispatched me this morning to remind you I had another sermon planned ahead of time, and this week he arrested my soul and said, go remind them that they are not alone. He said, I will never leave you nor forsake you. Lo, I'm with you always, Brother Kyle, even until the end of the world. To tell the brokenhearted, Weeping may endure for a night, but joy comes in the morning. Tell those that are going through a battle that this battle belongs to the Lord. Tell those in need of a healing that by my stripes you are healed. Tell them that I am the same yesterday, today forever I can I can feel it in the spirit the roar the lions roaring in someone's life right now he's roaring and he's saying you're never going to get your healing he's roaring and he's saying you're never going to overcome that he's roaring and he's saying your kids won't be saved your spouse won't be saved he's roaring but oh, if that fourth man steps on the field today, and guess what? I've got Bible that says that he's already here because where two or three are gathered together in his name, he's there in the midst of them. If you were in need a miracle. Every head bowed, every eye closed. I said, if you're in need of a miracle this morning, would you lift your hand toward heaven? Nobody looking around. Thank you. Thank you. Thank you. I don't want to embarrass anybody, but if you're in need of a financial miracle, would you lift your hand? If you're in need of a healing miracle in your body right now, would you lift your hand? If you're in need of a relationship miracle, someone in your family, right now, lift your hand. See, we look at these situations and it's like the three Hebrew men stepping into the fire. It doesn't even seem fair that I have to deal with this. It doesn't even seem possible that I could go through this still be okay.
But I've simply come to remind somebody this morning. You are not alone. You are not alone. If you raised your hand, you're in need of a healing. Would you step down to the middle here? A physical healing. Would you step down to the middle? Nobody's going to embarrass you. Just want to pray for you and let you know that there's a fourth man that's with you today. If you had a financial miracle, a relational miracle, any kind of miracle need in your family, would you step over here? Where are these young ministers at? Come up on the altar with me, please. All the young ministers, come up. You know who you are. And if you have a need of someone in your family being saved, would you step right over here right now? To my right hand, your left hand. But Brother West, the doctor said, yeah, but the doctor wasn't aware that there's a fourth man walking through the fire with me. But Brother West, the bank said, yeah, but they were not aware that there's a fourth man in the fire. Come on, apostolics, lift your hands all across this building. Lift your voice and cry out to the Lord. Say, I am not alone. I am not alone. I am not alone. Come on, brothers, get some oil and go anoint these heads. The Bible says that when we do this, the sick shall recover. They shall lay hands on the sick and they shall recover without doubt, without question. God is able. God is able. God is able. Oh!